Good morning. We are thankful that you are here this morning. We're thankful that you've chosen to be here for the opportunity to worship God together. We continue to emphasize the fact that there are many folks who do not feel comfortable getting out yet, and we understand that. We continue to hover right around 70 for our number, about 60% of our usual folks, and that's okay. We understand that. And we know that there are some folks who don't feel comfortable yet. We hope that you will continue to stay safe while you're uh, out and about and stay healthy. But we're thankful that you are here this morning. It's uh, an obvious fact, but the Lawrence family wins the award for most visitors and most present. I mean, the Danleys usually lead that category, but the Lawrences can, are the ones who can push us on that. And we're thankful for all who have chosen to be here uh, this morning. I want to say that I continue to thank you for your kind words about uh, the sermon uh, over the last few weeks. And uh, appreciate the encouragement that you offer to me. We've tried to continue to encourage one another through all of this time. We appreciate the fact that you can tune in online, especially during the week. We try to offer various things. Uh, the Zoom class may not sound as exciting as Jerry makes it, but you're welcome to join if you would like to. I will mention to you the fact that we have had a discussion over the last few weeks about going to a little bit of a live stream on Wednesday nights. If you'd be interested in that, maybe having a lesson uh, live here from the building, not necessarily people present just yet as we continue to kind of monitor the situation. But we've talked about doing something where maybe we spend 10 or 15 minutes in some of our kids' songs, kind of like we do down front here on Pew Packers, or at least used to do, and then maybe a bit of an adult class and trying to mix things up. We've talked several weeks now about how we continue to add words to our vocabulary, and one that we've added to our vocabulary is we're a little bit zoomed out sometimes because we have to do everything online these days, and so we're continuing to try to find ways to, to do things and to have lessons and to share things with you so that we can all stay encouraged uh, through this time, but of course not being able to meet as we usually do, it can be very difficult. But we appreciate you being here, and again, your encouragement, not only with your presence, but certainly with your words as we continue to try to do our best to worship God and to learn more about his word. Last week, we ended on a bit of an unpleasant thought. I made the statement that there is no hope for America. Now, I do not stand before you today to retract that statement, but maybe to help clarify just a little bit. I believe I may have said it last week, but in case I didn't, let me say it now. I love this country. I cannot imagine living anywhere else. In fact, there have been many books, movies, and TV shows, even very recently, that have painted a picture for our minds of a world where the United States of America either doesn't exist or does not exist as one of the greatest countries in all the world. One such show imagines a world where Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan share custody, if you will, of the United States. And many of us shudder at that kind of thought. I'm thankful for this country and the freedoms that it does allow. I'm thankful for the greatest generation and all of those who have fought and died so that I can live and raise my family in a place that allows such comfort. We're thankful for all of it. The, the staples we say, ice cream, apple pie, baseball, if we actually get to have baseball this year, the flag, the national anthem, our heroes, the ones who battle and fight. We're thankful for many things about these great United States of America. In fact, you may have seen the meme on the internet recently in regards to previous sacrifices of previous generations and our current sacrifices during the COVID-19 pandemic, the one that said something to the effect of, your grandparents were called to fight in a war, you are being called to sit on a couch, you can do this through this time. And of course, there's some truth to that, we can admit that. 
Unless you join the military, and we are always thankful and continually indebted to those who have, but unless you join the military for many years now, there has not been much need that we have, not been much that we have been asked to do to help in defending our freedom. That's just a fact. Our country has had its struggles. We detailed some of those last week. Sure, the document that began us began. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But, but I'm afraid we put so much stock in that statement sometimes and declare that the United States has always been a Christian nation. Certainly when you look back on our nation's history, we hear the founders speak of God and the Bible. George Washington, in his inaugural address, April 30th, 1789, it would be peculiarly improper to omit in this first, first official act my fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe. Second President John Adams, in his inaugural speech, March 4th, 1797, and may that being who is supreme over all continue his blessing upon this nation and its government. Yes, both the Liberty Bell and the Statue of Liberty are engraved with Leviticus chapter 25 and verse number 10 to proclaim liberty throughout all the land and unto all the inhabitants thereof. Yes, our country has had a history of its leaders making religious statements and speaking of an almighty God. But as we get into the body of our lesson, I would remind you of the principle that we built upon last week. It is, in fact, the case that two things can be true at the same time. And I would submit to you that, indeed, America is a great country to live in. Absolutely, 100%. We are thankful for this great country and the many freedoms that it allows us to have. But at the same time, America is not the kingdom of God. Christians are sometimes quick to jump in with both feet and, and talk about Israel and captivity. Or to talk about Christians and persecution. And to make comparison between us and the United States and those things. So let's consider some things this morning from the Bible. Listen, don't just hear, but listen to the word of the Lord and see if anything sounds familiar. We begin in Ezekiel, or excuse me, Judges chapter 21. Judges chapter 21 and verse number 25, where we see the sad state of God's people. And the book of Judges, which gives us the cycle of sin or the cycle of apostasy that everybody goes through in this life. And this great book of trials and tribulations, of travails and trouble, the capstone of such a sad state of affairs in this great book is closed stamped. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There is no doubt that the children of Israel looked around them and were constantly thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. Why do they enjoy prosperity while we are suffering? Those nations seem to be enjoying life and living it up while we are held under these laws of this God. But if we are not careful, we continue to look around us 
and say, in those days. In those days, when the truth of the matter is, in these days. In these days, there is no king. There is no righteous leader in the United States. And what's the effect of that? Tell us, Lord, what is the result when the outcome is, what is the outcome when there is no king, there is no righteous leader, there is no man of God leading the people? What is the result? Everyone does what is right in his own eyes. And we even go back in the book of Judges to chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, when this cycle of sin is explained, and the Bible says, Nevertheless, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them, yet they would not listen. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. Was that the children of Israel? Is that the United States of America? Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. God says, woe, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. How many times do we have to look around us today, the year 2020, and see things that are patently evil and vile, that are held up and supported by every Tom, Dick, and Harry, by so-called preachers, by congressmen and congresswomen, things that 50 or 60 years ago you would have never thought that you'd see on television or hear in popular music, evil that is called good and good things that are called evil. This statement was written about 3,000 years ago. But this is the country that we live in. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse number 12. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. No. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Ashamed? Blushing? Friends, I know you see what I see. I know the things we see, not only in our town and in our own stores, but for all the world to see on the news and in social media. And we shake our heads. And we look at each other and we say, what in the world are they thinking? Is there no shame? Wouldn't they be embarrassed? For everyone to know they were acting in such foolish ways? And the answer is a resounding no. No, because there is no shame and there is no blushing. Unless we lay all the blame at the feet of the children of Israel and spend all of our time shaming and shaking our head at their failures. No, there's plenty to go around. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would take his time and his own ink to write to a young man named Timothy. And tell him about a time that would be coming long before 2020, but yet still existing in 2020. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be, just listen, listen to the list. For men will be 
Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Do you know anyone like that? Boasters. Do you know any of those? Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. We're still going. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Go to chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And even go back to chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And what, Paul? What Holy Spirit guiding Paul to write to this young man, Timothy, and to these people, and yes, to us today, what word could we possibly find? What word could we possibly use to explain just how deadly this is? What word, what phrase could we use to help the people understand? And their message will spread like cancer. Yes, cancer. I know how terrible that disease is. You know how terrible that disease is. Like cancer. The New King James says cancer. The King James is not much better. It says canker. The English Standard Version says gangrene. We all understand that. But this is what will occur. And brethren, here's the point. The Bible does not seem to shy away from the fact that the world is a dark and sinful place. And by extension, these United States of America, as great as they may be in some ways, will be filled with sinful people who follow after their own desires who are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, who will turn away from the truth. And I can make the statement that I did last week because so long as men attempt to place their hope and trust in anything other than the God of heaven who sent his son to die, as long as men attempt to place their hope and trust in anything else, they won't get there. They just can't. That's not the way it works. Oh, you can try and legislate it, and we have. But despite all the laws that have been passed in this country to attempt to eradicate racism and racist thinking, here we are in 2020 still dealing with the problem. Because you cannot legislate hate out of a man's heart any more than you can legislate greed out of a man's heart or lust or any other sin that befalls our weak flesh. And yet, even as we said in our lesson last week, but God. But God says it doesn't have to be that way. What we can't do is say that there is no hope for America, shake the dust off our feet, and simply walk away. God says it doesn't have to be that way because I have given you hope. I have given you a chance at being made whole. I have given you peace. I have given you my only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And so in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse number 11, God says, Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? It's the constant message of the prophets. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 13. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Zechariah chapter 1 and verse number 3. Thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Hosea chapter 14 and verse number 1. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. It's also the constant message of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, the culmination of Peter's great gospel sermon. Repent. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. God's message since that dreadful day in the garden has been repent. Repent and turn from your evil ways. If only, if only God had a plan. The world is filled with sin and death. It's all around us and we get saddened by the state of affairs. But if only God had a plan. But then we take his word, we open it for ourselves. We read it in our lives and we share it before our children. And we read in Ephesians chapter 1 in verse number 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world having predestined us, verse 5, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. And not only that, but Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, that it was when the fullness of time had come. The exact, the perfect moment when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. God had a plan. God had a plan. He gave, he sent his only begotten son to this cruel world. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10, In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. God did have a plan. It may not have been what I would choose. It may not have been what you would choose, but he did have a plan. He showed his love for all mankind. He gave us the one thing that so many people on this earth are longing for, a chance to belong, adoption as sons, to be called children of God. He's given us that. If only God had sent his son 
and left a plan for us to follow. If only, if only Christ had left a way. God sent His Son, they crucified Him. He's not here to help us get through the mud and the muck. If only Christ had left a way. But again, we begin to read in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. You remember the setting? Jesus is asking, and by the way, I think he's asking the question that he wants to ask you. And he wants to ask me, even this very day. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, on one of his great days, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answers and says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, on this statement of faith, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus goes on to pray right before his death in John chapter 17 and verses 20 and 21. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe. That the world may believe that you sent me. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Those words on that day, in that moment, that were given to the eleven, but echo down through the centuries to us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Acts chapter 5, verses 12 and 14. And then by inspiration, God breathed. By the Holy Spirit, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we see it in action. We get to see it live and in person. We know what it looks like. In Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse number 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And believers... Yes, the ones that Jesus had just prayed for and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. And Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 10, where we were last week, just after the discussion on unity among God's people, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 10, to the intent that now the manifold the many-sided the manifold wisdom of God might be made known how what's the plan God how Paul how are we going to go about this how would we share with the world the manifold wisdom of God how is this going to work that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers to all that's it the thing is is God did have a plan the thing is he did send his son and the thing is his son did have a way he left behind his bride his glorious church to do his will to be his hands and feet to share his good news to set the example that the world might believe and in case you haven't figured it out yet America does have hope but America's only hope is you. You can proclaim the word of God. You can be the salt 
of the earth, the light of the world. Only you can stop hate. Only you can ensure that people see the love of God in this dark and sinful world. You can share the good news, the saving power with the world. You can stay away from divisive speech and the dangers that lurk out there, especially in social media. You can be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You can be ready always to give an answer for the hope that lies in you. And how dare we as Christians allow the world who has no hope to take away our hope? Our hope ultimately is in Christ Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And if we want our country to have hope, when you, when we, share the saving power of the gospel with them, they can have that hope. I'll say it again. I love this country. But God has never once, no never, promised that he would save the United States of America. But God has said that he would save his people, Christians. So the only question that matters this morning is, are you a Christian? Is your citizenship in heaven? If, if America's only hope is Christians, then we need as many as we can get to shine bright as lights throughout all the world, pointing the way to him. And it begins with you. Are you a Christian? If not, why not? Become obedient this morning. Submitting yourself to Him by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You can come in contact with the saving blood of Christ and the Lord will add you to His church. There's a lot of noise in the world today. There's a lot of confusion. And it's hard sometimes to get our message across. And to try to tell people it's not about only the Saudi Church of Christ. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about His Word, His way, and His will, and following after Him. We can share that message with the world. America's hope is that we will do the job that Christ left behind for His church. There is a terrible picture painted of the way that the children of Israel lived. And I think that yes, if we read those statements and put our country and ourselves in them, the United States is in a sad state of affairs. But there is always hope. There is always a chance to turn and repent as long as we have breath in our lungs. And as long as we have breath in our lungs, we can turn from our evil ways. We can repent of those sins and we can then go and find others and share with them that same gospel message. But you can't share what you don't know or what you've not obeyed. This morning, are you a Christian? If you are and you've messed up, you realize that maybe you've not lived the way that you should live, you have an opportunity to come back to him. We're thankful that God doesn't say, once you mess up, you're kicked out of the kingdom. You don't get to be a part of it anymore. No, he says, you can come back. You can still repent. Repentance has always been God's message. And maybe this morning you need to repent of your sins for the first time, coming to him in humble obedience to become a Christian. Maybe you've wandered away, you need to come back to him, repenting of your sins so that you can begin to live anew, sharing the gospel and the hope with the world. If you need to make a change, we'd love to help you now as we stand together and as we sing.